This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Reese Creed. This is episode 72 and it is an epic one. Now, this is the first one for cod opening of 2022 into the obviously the 2023 season. But no matter when you're listening to this podcast, even if it is years and years down the track, there is some incredibly valuable information in this episode. Now, I was lucky enough to be joined by a very keen and experienced angler, Sonny Martins. Now, not experienced in the time of in years of been fishing, but in the amount of fishing that he has done in the last few years. You can learn a lot by spending a lot of time on the water. It's not necessarily about being around for you know decades and decades decades and decades and fishing for that long. It's about how much time you actually put in to those decades that makes you an incredible angler. Now, Sonny really knows his stuff. He's based in central Victoria. Um, he's some, he, he goes by the tag Freshwater Prodigy, and that's his handle on Instagram. Make sure you check him out. He posts a stack of epic photos, and he really does know how to fish for a range of freshwater species. I'm really keen to actually get him on again down the down the track because he knows his stuff, and we got into some epic topics. And I could just tell that he spends a lot of time on the water and he knows how to catch fish just by the way he speaks. And you, you'll see that through this episode on some of the topics we get onto and the way he talks about his approach and how he fishes. And there is so much to learn in this episode and heaps of entertainment as well as he tells plenty of stories. So I want to once again thank Sonny for jumping on with me and I really do hope you guys enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's jump in with the one, the only Sonny Martins. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is one I'm super excited for. Sonny, mate, thanks for joining me. Sorry to get you up just after a long night shift, mate. Um, how are you feeling this morning? Nah, I'm feeling pretty good, mate. Um, glad to be here. It's uh, something I haven't done before, so really looking forward to having a chat. And I think you'll do all right because I know you just told me before that uh, you'd love to chat about fishing and it could go forever so that's what we like on the podcast we like to talk about random things and go off on tangents mate uh can you just tell me i'm very curious this is the first question i want to talk about where you're based and um you know where you do all your fishing and that but how often do you actually get out for a session because to follow you on socials it looks like you get around you don't just target one species do you have bass trout cod and yellows all really close to home or do you do extended trips on a regular basis uh, yeah, it's funny. I actually get this question a lot, and um, Do you? yeah, yeah, especially the last couple of weeks. Because um, one minute I'm in the salt, the other minute I'm doing bass, then I'm trouting, then I'm Murray cod. Yeah, so um, now nah, I, I fish a heap, man. I'm, I'm lucky enough. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a job that allows me to to just have uh, bulk time off and, and fish during the week and that sort of stuff. Um, I've, I, I, I live in, um, central Victoria, so, um, I'm pretty central to a lot of stuff. I've got really good trout waters, uh, within a couple of hours. Um, I'm only an hour and a quarter to Eildon. 
um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some access to some private fisheries that hold some bass and and silvers and that those sort of species. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just I'm just so central and close to all these different types of fisheries that um, yeah, it's just been really accessible to me. So and together with having those opportunities to fish virtually seven days a week if I wanted to. Um, yeah, it really, really helps out. So you were telling me before that you do, if you don't mind me sharing, you, you do a job where you do nine days on and then you get a, a bunch of time off. Do you fish in those? Is it three days off that you get? Four days? Uh, no, sorry. It's a, it's a nine-day fortnight. So um, basically, I get an RDO every, every fortnight. Um, so I generally, what I do is I bank those up and... Um, yeah, just take them whenever it suits me. Uh, again, very fortunate to have a job that allows me to do that. Um, yeah, so basically, I just uh, bank those up at the start of the year and then use them out whenever I want to use them, whenever I get good good weather or whenever I really want to go on a, a long trip or something like that. So. Right, yeah. So you've got your normal standard weekend if you do. Yeah, if you, absolutely. If you work, if 10 days, you, do, you have your Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so what's it? What's last week? Uh, what are, what are we today? Is it Thursday? What did this week look like? To, and last week, did you do sessions before going to work in the afternoon? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I've been weather's just been so crazy. I think it's been crazy everywhere. But like down here, um, it's just we've had. Uh, it's supposed to be summer, but I think we've had like I don't even know if we've had a day over thirty yet. Um, so it's been it's been really interesting. It's really thrown my fishing season out of whack because um, we just haven't had the conditions that I'm sort of like used to fishing in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's been it's been quite challenging. And like my my backyard's sort of like Nagambi, Goulburn, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and and that that joint's just absolutely been smashed this Isn't this it? year with with yeah. floods and and unstable waters and it's it's just been really hard to fish during the week like I normally would. Um, but yeah, I've I've been uh, been heading out to the Goulburn area and doing a bit of fishing in the Gambia and that. And um, you know, it's 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 been really good. It's really starting to fire up um, with a couple of warm days. Even though this week we've had a cold blast. Um, <laughs> It's, yes, Are you it, wearing a hoodie. I'm in a jumper right now. It's freezing. Mate, it's it's crazy. Like I was I was literally uh, put the heater on this morning just to warm up the house. <laughs> um, got a hoodie on. It's just crazy. Like you know we're mid December and and it's freezing. Fifteenth <laughs> of December. I can't believe it. it was five degrees this morning. It's probably three down where you are or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, so I have um and like. Like this week, I've been getting out to the Goulburn to do a bit of trout fishing and stuff like that with some some guys that I met online. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a trout fisher. All the trout fishing that I've sort of done is is like in the lakes and that. And um, yeah, these, yep. these blokes invited me out to uh, go do some river stuff. And um, yeah, had, had some great fun doing some stuff that I hadn't really done before. And yeah, but I'm always, if I'm not fishing, I'm planning to go fishing or... Like there's there's always a reason why I'm not actually out there, um, yeah. But if I'm not out there, I'm planning to be out there. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. It's like I reckon there's a a zone of people and and how passionate they are 
it's like it's a hobby or it's something they do. It's a bit of fun or it's an addiction. There's like this oh, jump yeah. between oh, one sure. to two, isn't it? And I feel like I could happily put you in the addiction category like yeah, myself. Yeah, man. Um, for <laughs> sure. Like there's, um, it's it's really like that lifestyle, that that addiction, that obsession. Um, you know, for me, it's 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 100% fishing, it's 100% outdoors, uh, you know, we're going away on holidays, I can't just go on holidays, it's like, what can I catch there, what can I chase, you know, yep. what, what can I go check out, who could I meet, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> um, and I guess I'm pretty lucky that I have a partner that 110% supports me through everything and, and really pushes me to, to get out there and do more and yeah, it's just, it really is an obsession. Yeah, so how does that work? With uh, spending time with your partner, does it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people would ask the question of. Oh yeah, dude, I, I do get the, it. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people ask, do you even have a partner? And um, yeah, I do, and she's an absolute legend. Um, she's the one that that is, you know, if I'm having a shitty day and I'm I'm sitting on the couch, not really wanting to do anything, she'll be like, get up, do some stuff, go fishing, you know, get some content. Just yep. she's always pushing me to do better and, and do more and um, really like making sure that I'm staying on the ball with content and wanting me to do more stuff online and and really pursue what what I do. Um, yeah. So yeah, like we 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 try. Um, we definitely don't spend enough time together. You never really do. But yeah. um, we've both got pretty hectic, busy lives. Um, you know, she's a uni student. Um, she's just finished uni, so really exciting times for her as well. But um, yeah, no, nah, she's just an absolute legend. And, and, you know, I'm so thankful to have her around because she's, she's done nothing but support me through through my obsession. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good because you wouldn't get to do it as much, especially you going to work at 3 o'clock like, She'd be at home on her own each night. Definitely, um, yeah, you don't definitely. get that time together. Um, definitely. So yeah, that's really good. That's that's awesome, mate. And uh, I'm sure people are slightly a little jealous of that, <laughs> possibly the uh, yeah. the way you get the fish. But well, we've all got I'm, our own if circumstances. I, um, if I've got to give anyone tip, I'm I'm no relationship expert here, but communication is key. So you know, don't don't make up crap, don't do any of that sort of stuff, don't try and sneak away, just just be honest, um, talk to each other, you know, if, if you really want to take something seriously, um, show that you're passionate about it and um, if you've got a partner that, that um, you know, loves you as much as you love them, they'll, they'll support you through whatever it is. Awesome, mate. Well said. <laughs> um, let's jump on to the, the question I like to ask first up most of the time. I just really wouldn't ask you that question, which I thought, I expect you knew it was coming, um, but where? So you're based in sort of central southern Vic, uh, yep. not far from Melbourne. How did you actually get into fishing? How did it come about? What was your childhood like? Have you fished since you were a kid, or is it something you sort of fell into later in life after a sport or after school or something? How did that all come about? And where are you from? Are you from there, or did you move there? Yeah. So um, I guess we'll just yeah start from the start. Um, I, I was born here in Australia. Um, I was actually born uh, like in Kilmore, so Central Vic, not far from where I live. Um, and then when I was I was only a baby, um, my parents moved back overseas because my old man was was from from Portugal. Um, yeah. So we moved back over there. So we were in Portugal for well, I lived in Portugal for thirteen years, um, and we were like 
really like in the bush, living there in the in the mountains, full mountain men style, living off the grid. Um, like, what would that be like over here, like living at the top of Kosciuszko or something like full? Yeah, off the grid? sort of like I guess the Blue Mountains type of deal, like you know, like yep. pine plantations, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. High altitude, snow, all that good stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess um, my childhood was um, I've always been like obsessed with the water. Um, as a kid, you know, I was always in summer. You'd spend days down the creek and down the rivers and that, and it's all like ultra clear crystal water, like pebbly rock bottom, that sort of stuff over there. And um, so I've always always been in the water as a kid, and, and my old man used to take, chase some wild trout and that sort of stuff. Um, I was never really big into fishing as a little kid, um, yeah. because I guess my dad was kind of like just fishing for food and that sort of stuff, and it just never really interested me. But I was always around it, and um, it, it's it was that seed was planted from a very early on age, and then. Um, I moved to move moved back to Australia to do my high schooling here, and um, How yeah, come? Like the whole family the whole family came back. Yeah, so my um, my folks um, split up when I was a baby, and mum mum's an Aussie, and she she come back to Australia, and I stayed over there with my old man, and then yeah, the kind of like the deal was that I do, you know, my my young younger year schooling over there, and then I would come over here to do my high schooling so um yeah that's so that's what what happened i come over here after 13 years being over there and um started high school and and kind of got exposed to to a little bit of fishing there um with with just some some um some older guys that my that my, my my that were mates with my dad um, you know, I started chasing a few reddies and, and that sort of stuff. And it just, it like, it just started building up from there and um, started fishing after school all the time and, um, and like, really started to look more into it and realize that fishing was this whole, like, sport and there was this whole community around it and there was all the fishing tackle and it was just, like, the world just kept, the fishing world just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, um just be, started becoming a bigger part of my life as, as time went on. And um, I was lucky enough to um, to have a mate in school who whose old man was like massive into fishing and he kind of became like my mentor and, and taught me pretty well all the theory that I know behind Murray Cod especially. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was you know caught caught my first Murray cod with him, and he he sort of like just taught me the ropes and everything like that, and it just it just blew up after that for me. It just became an obsession, and um, it was like everything I was doing was working towards fishing more often. Um, learning what age was more. this? Like fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, or so I reckon I caught my first ever Murray cod. Like I was fishing bulk before this, like readies and that sort of stuff because i thought that's all that there really was yeah um like i'll be honest i didn't even really know about murray cod until i was mate uh probably like 14 15 because in portugal like i just wasn't exposed to to that sort of stuff but then yeah uh fishing with these guys it just opened up to this world and and he'd he'd caught some like mega massive cod and it was just like it just became such an obsession for me like 
Um, went out with them, like I said, caught me first ever Murray Cod, and yeah, it just really like just blew up from there. Yeah, wow, that's cool. So you would say that you wouldn't be doing what you are today if you didn't have your mate's dad as a mentor, like it was just changed? Definitely not, no. So it, um, it sort of breaks my heart because we had a big falling out. But yeah, like everything that um, that I learned off, off him was just, um, it really like showed me that the possibilities um, and what, Murray Cod in particular were were about and and targeting them and how elusive they were and and um, all the different to figure techniques. that out it would have been impossible to figure that out on your own eh you would have oh man and like the, he gave me an absolutely huge head start because I had he basically gave me like decades of experience um, in such a short time that really I've held on to the whole time like. Um, it's really been invaluable to me and, and time and time again, I, I keep going back to what I learned on that boat um, yeah. and yeah, it, it, it's a shame we didn't stay in contact but yeah, I, I, I give him full credit for, for a lot of the achievements that I've had because I learned a lot through him um, yeah. and that's, that's stuff that's invaluable to me so I've got to give credit where credit is due. It's crazy how important and critical knowledge is and I agree because I had a mentor growing up as well that taught me so much to get me where I am today and obviously you've got to get out the water and experience stuff yourself and oh, yeah. if you can you can skip, like you said, you can skip decades of work by having a mentor or something. and that's the whole point of this podcast as well and the content yeah. we create is for people who don't have the luxury of having someone right there to help them or someone they can go fishing with, this is the next best thing really. That's kind of why yeah. I've created the podcast and why I've got you on. It's crazy how much of a difference it makes. So, that's cool. So, then from there, what happened then? 16, 17, 18? Yeah. So, basically, um, the obsession was well and truly underway and um, I started just doing everything. Um, like I said, I was, I was wor- everything I did was working towards fishing more and, and fishing new places and, and really um, growing my fishing career and my fishing experience and, and trying to tick off some goals and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think, um, a kayak came first, um, bought a kayak and absolutely hammered that thing, took it everywhere, caught so much fish out of it. Um, and just, yeah, really ticked a lot of boxes, um, in that thing. And then, and and then from there it went to a better kayak. I ended up, um, getting a, um, a Hobie and that thing took me some seriously awesome places, ended up catching my first metery out of it. Um, that's cool yeah and like i just like it was just epic like i was like free and just able to go and do my own thing and it was just crazy like i fished so so much and and back then like zero responsibility zero care in the world Um, how old are you then 18 19 yeah i would have just would have just had my license so um around that age um yeah just fishing like all the time like yeah um, after work, back then I was working in a tackle shop uh, near where I live, and um, again, like everything had to be fishing. Everything that around me had to be fishing. So I immersed myself in the tackle industry and made a lot of contacts and a lot of friends through that. Um, and it was like knock off work fishing, um, you know, weekends fishing. It was yep. just like um, trying to get as many hours um, up as possible to just. Um, increase those chances of, of ticking off those goals. And, and I'd say that to a lot of people, like, um, 
you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, you, oh, you've done so much and this sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I've spent so much time out there as well. Like, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I would hate to think how many hours I've actually spent on the water. Like, I, 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 it's not even a number I could even digest, I don't think. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> eh? So, so funny. Um, yeah, from there, so I had the Hobie, loved Did you do a thing. lot, sorry, did you do a lot on your own with the kayak? Is that what you did? You yeah. A lot Man, of it was I've, by yourself? After I sort of had that falling out with those guys, um, I, I sort of just decided that fishing was for me and like it was, I just... Not not that I, it's the complete opposite. I, I love sharing fishing with, with people and that sort of stuff. But when I'm actually out there, I just really love being by myself. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it just means that I can totally immerse myself in what I'm doing. Um, I can really focus. I can really take it all in. Um, I can really enjoy the outdoors and, and being out there in peace. Um, so, yeah, I've... I've 90 especially these days 99% of what I do is is all solo I might still go away on fishing trips with people but (laughs) I'm that dude that it's like I'm fishing in my own boat I'm fishing by myself that sort of stuff eh? Um, it's really interesting because I reckon there's there's two different ways to fish like that like there's with someone and without but the way mm. you fish is very different on your own compared to fishing with someone now I personally love fishing with somebody i just i just love the company but i find when i am on my own you actually full focus way more and in the episode with clint hansel i did he talked about fishing on his own and how much quieter he was and how much more he was in the zone on his own absolutely yeah um which i'm thinking is the same thing you would get with yourself like if you're out there it's just you and the water and the fish yeah yeah, and, and you're not, like, it's the little things as well. Like, I'm all, I'm very critical on, like, boat positioning and that sort of stuff. And and for me, like, when you've got other people in the boat, you want them to have just as good of a time. And and it, it's hard because, like, you know, you want, my boat positioning is set up for me, like, for one person type deal. Yep. Um, and when you've got another person in the boat, you want them to have a fair crack as well. And it's just like, it just, it, it can be really, it's just one of those things that it's like, I like to eliminate, like, I don't want to have to worry about, uh, it sounds really bad, but I don't want to have to worry <laughs> about the, the welfare of someone else. It's like, I'm here on a mission and like, I don't want to have to worry about anything else. I want to focus on, on the goal and, and the task at hand. Um, yep. but in saying that I, I'm a social person, like I, I love, like there's nothing more than I love than, than going away camping for the weekend with the boys and that sort of stuff. But like, it just means I'm fishing out of my own boat and there's there's going to be, you know, three, four, five boats tied up at camp instead of just like two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I, know what I mean. But yeah, so it's just one of those things. So yeah, it all started for me in the kayak. It was, um, it was the lot of, lot of solo trips um and like i said got me first matery out of out of the kayak and i tell you that right now um that is one of the hardest things i've ever done to date like it and it wasn't even a big fish like it i think it was 101 but the challenge of dealing with that fish the challenge of trying to get a photo the challenge of of landing the fish and looking after the fish in in like it was like blowing like 15 knots it was just like it was just mayhem and and anyone who does it out of a kayak hats off to you because that's yes. the, that is the ultimate challenge I, I don't care what anyone says like that's hard eh? that's it's so hard, hard work yeah it, it's really hard work but that is a memory that um that was yeah like it, it is the ultimate memory for me because 
I just remember every detail about that weekend. It was just super, it was work the whole time. It was just like bulk work and I just kept going and kept going and um, everything was sort of against me um, that day. It was just like really hot, really windy, like crappy. Were you in a lake? Or in yeah, a it, was, it was at Moala, yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't even imagine how many people's first meters came out of Moala, but um, yeah. It's yeah, it was up there, and it was just like really windy. Um, and I, I, I was kind of got into the mindset where like I'm pulling the pin, like this is I can't do this. This is so much work. And like I was running the old turbo fins on the Hobie, so like no reverse, no three sixty, no one eighty, none of that sort of stuff. Um, bent fins, wow. like it was just like. My uh, my pedals were barely working because I'd hit that many stumps that my um, the pins on the fins were just so bent out. Um, it was just hectic, but it was super super rewarding in the end, you know. And like to that to, for it to happen that way, um, I, I I wouldn't have it any other way. It was just it was epic. Um, That's so good. And, and after and seeing it's after crazy, yeah, se- fishing out of a kayak. I just oh, want to touch on what you were getting at. I've done it before and never, and I bet you. Even though that was such a special memory, I think for you it's done. Like never again. Oh, eh? dude, hundred percent. I say it. To, I say it to everyone. Never again. Like, um, there, there's days where I'm like, oh man, I wish I had a kayak. I wish I could go for fishing a kayak, whatever. Um, and yeah, I probably will get a kayak again. But um, just tar- targeting those bigger fish, it's just you've got to be so prepared. Like oh, honestly, that day I don't know how I didn't lose that fish because I wasn't prepared. I was in yeah, my, right. I was I was in the mindset that like I hate this this is a been a really shitty day I want to go home I'm really tired because I've been pedaling for hours um, fighting the wind getting like a half decent cast at a log every time because by the time you get your cast back you've been swept like a hundred meters oh how fun <laughs> so um, yeah no nah, it's 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 a real real tough job fishing out of a kayak especially when you start targeting those bigger fish and i know every time i see a, a real big dog caught out of a kayak i just i take my hat off because that is the ultimate you want a challenge go catch a, a meter plus cod out of a kayak in uh, in rough weather or current or that sort of stuff like that's that's the ultimate one right there yeah you said it <laughs> you summarize there's no argument here from me yeah yeah but um so how long guess, ago was that Ah, uh, that was, I want to say five, no, nah, it was more than that. Probably six years, man. Yeah, so back in the like 2016, like nah, when Nah, sorry, floods. I reckon it's five years because I'd been, I'd, I was together with my partner, but we've been together for six years, so I'm going to go five, yeah. Right. I'd, I'd yep. have to look, I'd, I'd have to look back, honestly. But it was um, the twenty sixth of February. I know. Had, I know that. <laughs> has the cod had the cod journey been long up until that point? Like, had you put in a fair few years to get to that point? Um, yeah. So I was probably not not really, man. I was probably like two serious seasons into it. Yeah. How old were you? Nineteen or? Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have been nineteen, twenty. I think. Yep. Yep. Um. So yeah, no, nah, like I said, my 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 cod career or like my my serious fishing career, it really hasn't been that long um, compared to but others. You've done a lot of time, and that's the oh, difference. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I reckon, and like, I, I honestly reckon I've probably done the amount of time on the water. I've probably done what some people have done in their lifetime. Like, yes. people people who just like you know go out there for a social fish or like a, a weekend warrior type deal. Um, I've definitely trumped those those sort of people. So, um, yeah. But I guess I guess going back to like where the journey was at, um, I got to the point that fish was a turning point for me because I was like. I'm absolutely obsessed with this, but I, I can't. I just can't do this every time. I can't. And you know, the whole time I was freaking out because, like, fish welfare for me is is pretty up there with my, the most important things when dealing with, um, like, with just fishing in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, that fish. It was a really long fight. Um, it was in really warm water. It was just super shallow, like. It didn't want to come to the kayak. It was just a really long, hard fight, and the whole time I'm like, I was just stressing big time. So, um, you know, spent a heap of time reviving the fish, and she swam off really strong. So it all, it all had a happy ending in the end. But it made me realise it was a turning point for me, where like, nah, hang on, if I'm going to be doing this, if I'm going to be chasing these bigger fish, um, I want. I need a boat. Like I need to be doing this properly. I need a big net. I need you know electric motor. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like the mindset at the time wasn't like at that particular moment wasn't oh so I can catch more fish or so I can be more effective as an angler. But it was more like so I can look after these fish. Yeah. Um, you know. That's good. Yeah. It that's was really at that, good. At that particular moment, that's all I was thinking of because the whole time I remember I sat with that fish for a good. 10, 15 minutes just sitting in the shallows with it between my legs, just making sure to not let it go unless it was like letting, like swimming off it with its own power. Yeah. Um, and it absolutely did that, you know, like it was good. I, I, I got it all on GoPro as well. So looking back at the footage every now and then, I just think, man, that was the point. Like that was for me seeing that fish swim off like that was like made me realize how much it actually meant to me and how much like it made me like it was just a big turning point like for me That's it was epic. like need to get a boat and then obviously with the boat the penny dropped like i'm going to be more effective you know i'm going to start catching more fish because i'm going to be able to have better boat positioning i'm going to be able to fish in different sort of weather like you know i can go before yes. it used to be like oh you know 10 knots max and now i'm like yeah 20 knots let's go yeah <laughs> So, um, yeah, nah, it was, it was pretty special. And I guess like when everything I did from there on was, was working towards getting a boat, um, I ended up leaving the tackle shop cause it wasn't, wasn't paying the bills and wasn't working, wasn't helping me get any closer to my goal of, of getting that boat. So, um, that's how I ended up where I am now at the lolly factory, um, and then, yeah, sold the kayak, bought bought a Minkota with the money that I got for the kayak, and um, yeah, bought a. I've got a um, Explorer Trophy, uh, four point two. Hey, um, same as me, mate. Yeah, no, nah, they're a good rig, man. Like mine, oh. mine's an old, older one. Like it's t- it's a two thousand and eight. But oh, um, mine's two thousand seven. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Basically, it's the like, same boat. Yeah, it would have been before they changed the design too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a fantastic boat, honestly. Like it's it's my first boat, um, and I've still got it, and it's it's just taught me so much about boating, um, about fishing, about um, you know 
boat mods, that sort of stuff. And, and it's really taught me a lot of like seamanship as well. Like I've been caught out in some hairy, hairy stuff in that boat and it's really like it's held together. It's got me home safe and it, it's got so much good mojo on that boat. Like it's it's unreal. So, yeah. That's how it goes. Maybe it's that, uh, that size makes. Mine sounds very similar about the mojo <laughs> and the yeah, rest of definitely. it. But no, people say to me all the time, oh, when's the upgrade when you get in a bigger boat? And it just, I can jam it in a little river. I can put it in a dam. That's absolutely it. Can, it. Yeah. Easy to tow, cheap to yeah. tow. So, oh, that's it. And like well. people are like, oh, it's same. Th- I get the same thing when you get in a bigger boat. Like my mum's always at me like, when are you getting a bigger, safer boat and that sort of stuff? And I'm like, yeah, but this thing I can, I can you know, I can fish a giant impoundment or I can fish a, a skinny little creek or, you know, it, it's just, it's so versatile and, and really it's such a good size as well. And like, especially like if you want to, you know, bring out a couple of mates, it's, it's got plenty yep. enough room to to fit a a couple of people in um and fish very comfortably so anything in that 4.2 to like 4.4 size is just prime i reckon yeah for an all-rounder i reckon if you're gonna need if you're gonna want it in a river like a smaller river like smaller than the murray i reckon 4.2 is your limit you can go to 4.4 but yeah you you can't as long as it's tiller i guess but um yeah definitely definitely is yours tiller or side yeah no tiller um, yeah. For me, it was all about at the start when I when I was looking for a boat, I just wanted bulk space because the idea yeah. was to go the full like bass boat look, like extend the deck out, heaps of storage, heap, massive rod locker, um, yeah. and have and still have plenty of room to be able to fit the swag in and the camping gear and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so Ideal. yeah, I just had to go the tiller for sure. But now now as you know, I got a few years under my belt. I'm just like. Oh, it'd be nice to be able to tuck in behind a, a console on, on those zero degree days and, and minus threes and that sort of stuff. But um, There's positive and negatives of both. I think that's <laughs> where I'm happy tucked in behind the windshield. Whereas yeah. when I put it in a little river, I end up having to putt around slowly and I'm like, I wish I had a tiller right now. So Definitely. it goes both ways, I guess. <laughs> you need two boats basically is what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, but I'll get, the same, I'll get the same size. I won't go for yeah. a big... A big one yeah. and a little one. I'll just yeah. get two similar sizes. Um, yeah. just are you gonna say something? No, no, you go. Yeah, I was gonna say before we move on because I have some questions. I love when I talk to people. Right, I'm just gonna say this. There's some people that really stand out. So uh, just talk in general conversation, talk through meeting, and talk on the podcast. Right, and I'm just gonna say right now, you're definitely one that the way you talk and the way the things you've said about fishing puts you that step ahead whether it was your mentor or your dedication to fishing we're just gonna say it right now you can just tell obviously you catch heaps of big fish but just by the way you talk now the one thing you said earlier which i love and i am so critical on when i fish is boat position and you said it and not many people think about it and not many people mm. talk about it but boat yeah. position is so important and i've created a little bit of content around it going to create more all i started with a mate i fished with a mate growing up when we were 14, 15, 16, 17. I don't know if it was wrong of me to do this, but once we started, I was I was always on the electric. Once we got an yeah. electric motor, I had to be on it and I, I could not not be on it. It would frustrate me when <laughs> and I'm very I'm taught to drive the boat for both people. Like that's how I've grown up because I've always fished with someone most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So the way I've designed the way I position the boat is for both people, which sometimes goes against me because the other person's <laughs> at the back of the boat. Yeah. And they catch the fish first, but that's okay. Um, but 
if someone doesn't drive, like if you've worked a snag and you've got the feeling that, say we're in a river, you've got the feeling that the fish are on, we've spent too much time here. If someone else is driving the boat and they've spent one too long a cast there for my liking, it's it, it gets to me. So being able, just, just listening to this podcast, everyone, if you're listening, boat position is critical. Now, can you share some info on how you like to position the boat? I'm happy for you to choose either a river. We won't, won't talk about every scenario, but either a river scenario yeah. or a dam <clears throat> scenario. Pick a scenario in your head, either dam or, or river, or and, and if you pick either one, tell me kind of what, explain what structure you're fishing, maybe the time of year, like now, summer. How do you position the boat? I know it's very hard to explain without yeah. visuals. It's like nah, video would be easier, but just see, right. see how you go. Um, so I guess I'll cover like sort of like the two main ones that, that I think are really, really critical and I have the most experience with because honestly, I haven't done a heap of like stuff in the river. Um, but yep. basically, so I'll use my whaler as an example and I'll, I'll use just basically any impoundment. So we'll go yielding or whatever. Um, yep. with, with the impoundments, I, I really love fishing with wind, like, um, I position my boat basically always depending on what the wind's doing. Um, so I love, so you're always what I'm looking for and this is just what works for me too, like total disclaimer, like, you know, might work different for other people but the way I like to do it is I like to find the bank that's been blown up against the most, uh, whether it's that day, yesterday, the day before, whatever, as long, whatever has been the windiest day, that's the bank that I'll go to, um, yep. and I generally like to position um, obviously into the wind, and then you, you're sort of like casting. You it's, uh, without drawing a picture, it is hard to explain. I didn't think it would be that hard to explain. Nah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you, you're sort of like you're working up the bank, but you're sort of like you're into the wind, if that makes sense. So you're you're in basic you're nosing the boat into the wind rather than fishing downwind is that what you're saying yeah yeah definitely so, so i guess what i'm saying is i'm fishing at the back of the boat does that does fishing, that make sense that, say that again so i'm fishing at the back of the boat so i've got the winds blowing at um into the bank and straight then, into the bank yep yeah fishing straight into the bank and then i'm fishing into that bank but then um i'm fishing at the back of the boat so boat right, spot locked gotcha. whatever yep. Um, and I'm creeping up along that bank, um, and I'm generally trying to stay a cast. Or, or well, depends on where I found the fish, really. Um, if those fish, I, in my ideal scenario, those fish are sitting midwater. Um, between Are we talking cod or yellows? Uh, either really. Either. Um, yep. I, yep. I, I would apply this to, to either, um, especially this time of year. Like uh, yep. talking at, at Eildon, um, I'd be sitting, say. Uh, just a bit more than a cast length off the bank um so say like 50 meters off the bank um and if i'm targeting those fish they'll be sitting about halfway so between between me and the bank um and generally you'll find that there'll be like a dirty water line along that bank because it's been getting smashed by that wind um and those fish are sort of like using that that dirty water line as a bit of cover um and that, that's stirring up a lot of like bait fish, a lot of little crustaceans, little bugs, um, and and those fish will just be feeding in that area. Um, and generally using your electronics, like you, you're, you're sort of finding that 
you'll, you'll see those active feeding fish. They'll be up off the bottom. They'll be sitting in that zone of between me and the bank. Um, and yeah, just, just creeping and really spending your time on those banks is, is so critical. Um, I see it a lot where people will be fishing the right bank, but they'll be fishing it totally wrong. They'll either be like actively like moving up the bank parallel casting at the bank but they'll they won't be sitting in a spot because it's windy and that sort of stuff they just think keep moving keep moving keep moving but you're better off just sitting there in the wind and putting in casts like so you're saying they're moving along too quick putting yeah. a cast every five meters the half of the retrieve doesn't work because the boat's overtaking the lure and they just keep going 100 percent. that's exactly what i was trying to say yeah yeah so um i guess going back to boat positioning is just spending that time in that area even though like you're getting smashed by wind and and it may be a little bit unpleasant and you might not feel like you're you're doing the right thing but that's what's absolutely worked for me is um sticking it out a little bit in the open um and just creeping along that bank with with your boat facing into the wind your the the bow of your boat facing into the wind and just just putting those casts right down the back of the boat because it, it it basically what that what that does is it keeps your rod in line with your in line with the line. So the um, line the wind's directly behind your back, so your line stays straight. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So yeah. and so, and it, it it's like what you said. You're, you're never overtaking your line. You're never reeling too quick. You're never moving your lure too quick. Um, yep. It's all perfectly timed and you're sitting in the one position and your lure is never too slow never too fast it, it, and it, and as it rolls through it should come through that perfect zone at the perfect time um and yeah hopefully that's when you get the bite um so so if you've spot locked you'll do a what a handful of casts and then you'll unspot lock move along 10 meters spot lock fan your cast again and then so back in um, back before live, um, that's absolutely what I used to do. So um, I used to use my my two D mostly is pretty much all I used to use. Um, I used to on my electric do, uh, work a bank without fishing it first. Um, I'd sort of like start at one end and do say like a hundred two hundred meter stretch on my electric, just just staring at my two D. Yep. Trying to find where those fish were sitting. So they, powerful, eh? It's so oh, hard to do. People dude. can't do it because they think I need to fish, I need to fish, I need to fish. Nah, nah, so nah, critical, nah. hey? Mm. So critical. Absolutely. So that's that's basically what I used to do back then. I used to find the banks, and this is specifically with yellows. Like um, with cod, I, I, I didn't really used to do it because I didn't think they used to do the same thing. But um, with the yellows, I'd, I'd basically go up and down that bank. I'd sort of do like, I'd do three, three or four meters, then I'd do like five or six meters and then I'd go like like 10 to 12 meters and just do a couple of laps and then find where those fish were sitting and then say like ideally you want them like I would want them sitting in like six meters like five to six meters yep um I'd go out and position my boat at like uh say like 20 meters or something or even less like um probably like 15 meters and then that's where I would like sit at the back of the boat. I know the fish are in that zone and I would just fan cast it and then creep yep. up, fan cast it, creep up, fan cast it. And honestly, man, I caught so many fish doing that um, way back before live. Um, my best ever day on the yellows at Lake Yildon was um, 21 fish um, and it was before live. It was 
and that's like that's still, that's still my best day was um yeah solo using old school like 2d um with bulk wind it was it was pretty epic but like these days obviously it's a lot easier to to check a bank where i'll probably still do like the the lap up and down the bank but it will be a lot quicker um yeah. and i won't be having to do like different depths or anything like that I sort of like just stick stick in 10 meters or like six six meters and then just do once up the bank and like oh yeah that's where they're sitting or they're sitting off a bit further and i'll still yep. position my boat in the same in the same spot but then obviously with the live it's a bit easier to land the lure on their heads yep. um so but the, the the principle sort of applies in both scenarios for people using live or, or not using live um yeah that's awesome yeah, so, and then I guess with like fishing structure, like at Moala. Just wait, before you go to Moala, I've got one more thing I want to add to that. Yeah. So it flows. What happens if the wind's running along the bank? Will you specifically try and find a bank which is getting the most wind that's flowing directly into it or will you still fish just as much a bank that the wind's running along it and then if it's running along it, do you position yourself parallel to the bank yeah. and cast parallel so that your line is still directly... Yeah. going either d- way with the I wind. definitely should have um I should have covered that. Um No, that's all right. Yeah, so I absolutely will still fish those banks um because there's only so much bank that's uh wind blown and, and sometimes they're just not even there like uh, there's it's been quite often where you go to a wind blown bank and you're like yeah this looks like the juice they they're, they're going to be stacked and you're like you don't find a single fish and um, for yep, whatever so reason moving. maybe like the day before or or whatever, like it was a lot windier on those those banks that now the wind's running along it, um, and they're still there. So yeah, so those those sort of banks, um, I do the similar sort of thing. So like you you would go over it with your with your two D or you yeah. I don't really use side scan a heap. Like it's a great tool, but I, I, I really the two D is just what I gravitate to. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, everyone's got their own way. Yeah, yeah, like two D paired with like um down scan is is pretty pretty good um yep. so yeah i'll still do those those laps of that of that bank and then what i'll try and generally do is position myself in um say like six meters or like sort of like a boat and a half or it all depends on the depth of the bank obviously but um sort of like a boat or two boats width off the bank so say yep. i'm like um like four or five meters off the bank and yep. then um, I'll generally cast like 45 each side yep. and then one down the middle, if that makes yep. sense. Yeah. Um, so, you're casting with the wind and also just on a slight angle to the wind a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. You're casting with the wind then? Do you like to position yourself upwind of the fish or downwind of yeah, the fish? Yeah, yeah. So, I always like to, to like not drift into the fish because you're not drifting into the fish because you're using spot lock. And again, this is more like when targeting yellow belly. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like I'm spot locked and then I'm I'm like casting down behind the boat and then yes. I'm 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 like sort of like unspot locking going down another you know twenty meters or whatever spot locking again doing the same thing um, because it, it's so critical to have that in my opinion it's so critical to have that contact with your lure um, and there's nothing worse than like back then I was casting like really tiny plastics and that sort of stuff. Casting that into the wind, it's just so frustrating and you're getting yep. wind knots and that sort of stuff. So I just think to be effective and, and to really cover ground effectively and make sure that when you get that bite, you hook up 
I just love drifting into it. Just have the wind at your back. Um, yep. And it just, that's what works for me, yeah. Awesome. I love that. That's awesome little bit. So, go give us a run through of Mull. So, with Mull, it's the same same thing with the wind or the current. Um, whatever one is, is stronger. Um, I never like drifting into... To, so, when you're fishing Mull, traditionally on the flats, which is what I love to do at Mull, um, fishing really shallow water, fishing structure... Um, I always like to approach my structure from from behind, and when I when I what I mean by from behind is say say you've got a lay down in front of you, and then the wind is like pumping a particular way. You want to come upwind from that, so you don't want to like drift into that lay down. So the opposite um, of what you just said for the yellows. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, opposite. So you don't want to drift, like in my opinion, you don't want to drift into that timber. You don't want to run a risk of of hitting that lay down or, or, you know, bumping it, spooking the fish because they're just completely different. They don't have that room, that depth to get away from the boat. So, like, they, I just feel like they spook a lot easier. Yep. Um, so, I'm always, whether it's the, the current or whether it's the wind, whatever one is strongest, whatever one's, like, pulling me that specific way, um, I always try and not drift into where I'm fishing. So, I'm always fishing into the wind out the um, nose of the boat, like you're fishing out the front of the boat, casting absolutely. up. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like at mile, you're not, you shouldn't be really doing massive casts. Like I generally, I, I get pretty close to my structure. I, I start yep. from afar, and then and and then I'll get pretty close. But like I'll start a cast at like 15 meters. Yeah, yeah. And then, no, and then any like yeah stuff. Yeah. Um, and you you're like you're sort of like as you're getting closer, as you're creeping closer, you're you're still banging in more casts. So by the end of it, you've probably done like five casts, ten casts yep. into that to that area. But like that fish, never ha, like has no idea that you're there. If there's a fish there, that fish has no idea that you're there because mm-hmm. uh, nine times out of ten, in in my opinion, they're they're sitting like nose into the wind or nose into the current. Yeah. Um, and and we've seen it like you know spending a lot of time up there fishing comps and that like you. Even with wind, like people don't realize that wind creates a lot of current, especially in those shallow waters. Um, we, we, we'd be fishing and then all like in, I'll give an example like of a comp that we did and we done really well in, um, it was blowing like, it was gusting like 50 k's an hour and it was just absolutely horrendous. Don't you um, hate that at Malala? <laughs> oh, it was just terrible. And I'm pretty sure it was like blowing like a north, northeasterly. So it was like pretty much like, straight down the middle of the lake um yep. but in, in our pre-fishing and that we'd, we'd found the fish and we knew where they were and they were in the lake and it was just everyone was fishing up the river in the in the um like sheltered waters and that sort of stuff um and me me and um my partner that we were fishing with that i was fishing with we were just like nah we need we need to go to the fish that we found um, and unfortunately those fish were pretty much smack bang in the middle of the lake where it was blowing its hardest, but, um, because it was blowing so hard, it's creating so much motion and current in the water, all those fish. And we caught, we caught quite a few fish that day in that terrible, terrible weather. They were all sitting behind the logs facing into the wind. Like every single fish was like that, um, so, so you'd you, come up behind them, cast to the side of the stump, roll your little yeah, past, and it'd, it'd yeah. hit it head on as it's coming past. 100%. Either that or diagonally 
diagonally casting at the at stumps and, and laydowns and yep. that, and you bring it across the front of it, and they would just absolutely hammer it. And and that for me was a real like, um, really clicked in my mind that I was like, wow, all these fish are doing the exact same thing. Um, and like we're talking like, like they weren't massive fish; they were like good like legal size fish, um, or on the flats in like two meters of water all doing exactly the same thing and I'm like why are they doing it and we just we put it down to the wind creating that current bringing all yep. those that bait fish down past the logs and past the lay downs um, and that's that's how they were feeding um, yeah so it's really important that like what I was saying before is if you if you drift into a log like you're, you're drifting directly into that fish's face um, and yep. yeah, you're just lowering your chances. Like if you don't get a super aggressive fish that's eating it on the first cast, um, because I have found that some fish take five five casts to ten casts to eat. Um, and they're not necessarily feeding fish, but if you've if you've drifted into that fish and you've bumped his log or whatever, he's even more spooked than what he was before. So, but if you approach it from behind and, and put in like a few casts, you, there's a good chance that you'll get that fish. Um, it's an yes. interesting concept. I'm just going to talk about... So, you imagine, right, there's a fish sitting... Say he's tucked in right hard against the back of that log, maybe nosing out into that wind current, right? If you approach from behind or behind on an angle, you're casting in front of the log. He's facing that direction. You're going to roll the lure past the side of the log. He's going to see it. He's not going to spook, right? If you were to cast in the slack stuff behind mm. that flow you got to be careful because if you drop it too short mm. you could easily hit his tail yep so you want to cast just in front and bring it past and you won't spook the fish it's funny people think about there's the log that's cast that's where the fish will be but you have to also think about where's he actually going to be so i don't cast and spook him and so i can cast and get my lure in his zone of where he's looking for food yep if you were to do the opposite of what you just said and float down into the log you want to make sure, and we talk about it time and time again about with a hard body casting past the log, cranking it down to the depth and rolling it through. But if you are drifting down in front of the fish, and like you said, that's not ideal because you've got mm. the whole boat length between you and the fish and you could spook them. Yeah. You want to make sure you either chuck a spinnerbait or chuck your swim bait or something at the log in that feed zone. You want to be very careful not to cast past the log especially in behind where he's sitting because your line could hit the fish or the tail of the fish. Like, yeah. you got to be careful not to whack his tail first and that's where that angle is probably more ideal. So, if you're floating down, if you happen to find yourself doing that, if you went on an angle across yeah, the be, front of the log. Definitely. Yeah, I'd definitely be casting diagonally. If, if I had to, if there was a stretch that I couldn't fish into the wind, um, I'd definitely just be floating past and fishing out to my sides, not fishing, like trying to, trying to get a drift where like I wasn't going to drift into anything I wanted to fish. Yes, um, and just try and find those those laydowns and those logs out to my sides for sure. Yeah. So if you know where the fish are, you got to be careful not to put cast behind them. And there's that argument again for in rivers: do you fish your way upstream or do you fish your way downstream? <laughs> I am the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? You don't do enough of it, or oh, I just don't do enough of it. Like I, I, yeah. I would love to. And every year that I've sort of been like, yeah, I'm going to smash the rivers this year. I really want to get a big one out of the river. Uh, something happens, whether it's rains or whether it's, you know, not not yeah. having a spot that is in the right, you know, like conditions in, type, in terms of yeah. flows and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it, it's just something I haven't done enough of. Um, but it, it's something I really want to have. It's amazing. Oh yeah, because every time I have been out um, and done it, I've either seen really big fish or big fish have been caught. Um, I have I've had some pretty big fish encounters as well that just didn't end the way I wanted them to end. Um, yeah, it's just it is a, river fishing is really really special and it's something that um, especially like out of the boat like drifting like you're saying, uh, I just haven't had enough of it um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, about that flow thing, there's arguments for going up and down um, and it also differs, I believe, personally from subsurface to surface but you can effectively fish both ways. You just have to be very particular on how you cast and I'll get onto that another time because I want, I've got his more questions for you but I prefer mm. to fish from up to down personally but yep. it also takes a lot more boat control to fish downstream um, yeah. than it does to just lecky up but you save your lecky big time battery wise. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I, I believe you can fish quicker too. Like you can cover water quicker because you let the current take you rather mm. than battling it depending on the yeah. current. But yeah, there's lots of arguments for that. But very particular, again, boat position and your angles um, of how you cast. So much to talk about. It's so cool. Um, we'll leave that for now though. Uh, question, what is your, just a real quick answer to these, these are four little punchy questions, yep. what is your favorite way to chase each species? So, what's your favorite way to chase cod, yellows, trout, bass, technique, oh. place, t- season, real quick, cod oh, honest, Honestly, so I'll kick off with my favorite, which is Murray cod, um, on the flats, warm, like warm day, um, March, March, April with spinnerbaits on the flats, really shallow water, fishing really fast, um, getting lots of bites, hands down, the best. I don't care what that anyone Mawala, says. Like any flooded lake? Yeah, or, or, yeah. yeah. well, any, fl- any flooded lake, Nagambi, Mawala, any sort of place where you can fish structure, fish fast, fish lots of numbers, lots of bites. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's it's 100%. Like I'm, I'm a bites guy. Like I, I love my big fish, but... Um, if you're getting bites all day long, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm all about because that's yep. yeah, just ultimate fun. Um, yellows. with, with yellows, I love vertical fishing for them. Um, yeah? it, can, nice. it can be absolutely boring. Um, but especially with live, you just learn so much about fish's personalities and, and moods and, and how they feed and what they do and that sort of stuff. It's just you get to spend so much time with them when you're fishing vertically. Um, that In the yeah, trees? In the trees and, and just, just ver- even vertically on points. Like um, right. yep. if you get the right conditions, you can get right on top of them, especially when they're schooled up and spawning and they don't care that you're there. Um it's just, it's just ultimate fun because like it, yeah, you're able to, and it, it can be very frustrating because you know you know your lures in his face, but he's just not doing anything or or reacting or giving you nothing, and it's just like it's such a challenge to get that fish to bite. Um, it's just great fun, and look, it, it's hard though because I do love fishing for them uh, on the bottom, shaking or hopping or that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Great fun. I've ha- I've also had some awesome sessions in the rivers, um, like casting hard bodies um, on the yellows. Great, great days. Great fun, and, and they're just super aggressive and fight really hard in the rivers. But something about vertically fishing with live tech is just yeah a great great you, way of doing it. And doing that, what lure would you pick? What season and what like? 
for those with, yellows vertically. Vertically. <laughs> uh, I think anyone can pretty call this if they've been looking at my page. Uh, definitely Hume. Um, Hume in spring when they're like really fat, pre-spawn, um, sitting sitting out in the open, just, yeah. Uh, Lua? And Lua would probably be um, probably a soft plastic. Um, yep. Yeah, either a soft plastic or a, a very small lipless crankbait. Cool. Fishing, fishing vertically. Yep. All right, trout? Yeah. Uh, trout. Again, I haven't done a heap of it. Um, the bit that I did this week fishing for them in the rivers was absolutely epic, but I think I still have to hand it to fishing in a shallow, weedy lake out west, fishing top waters, uh, fishing things like bent minnows, that sort of stuff. Really fast. That'd be fishing. sick. I've never done that. That would be cool. Oh, mate, do yourself a favor. I've only done it this year because I just I've only been exposed to it this year and. Seeing how aggressive those trout are towards like something like a bent minnow, um, in really like it's it's not ultra shallow water because there's still plenty of water there because the weed is so high, those fish are hunting in like less than a meter of water. So right. it's just yeah. it's just oh, it's it's so sick, and I can't wait for next winter. I will be doing so much more of it. Um, it's super visual. You see them like light up. It's I compare it to marlin fishing, eh? Like. Really? Um, oh yeah, dude. You're bringing your, your like your bent minnow, which is definitely my favorite lure to use for them. I think um, I haven't tried a whole heap, but the bent, you're bringing it back. You see that trout spot your lure. He comes over. He lights up full colors, chasing it. Um, and and if you get a big stocky rainbow, like they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to eat it. So they're just like striking at it, rolling. Flashing. Are you sight casting them or you're just casting and watching them shoot up out of the weed? Yeah, a bit of both. So yeah, we cool. sort of see, saw them doing both, um, you know, like casting at rising fish, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And a lot of them, like a lot of the ones that I caught, the little browns and that, they were like within like 10 meters of the boat. So you see everything happen and it's yeah. amazing how they go from being like fully camouflaged to bright popping colors, just like yeah. a marlin does when it comes up chasing a teaser or something. Um, yeah, it's so much fun. Like it's super visual, um, like blood pumping. It's it's good good stuff. Um, the only way so, I can relate to that is sight fishing them on the rivers in the backwaters. But it's like full stealth until yeah. you get the eight, and then it's like mayhem because they most time snap you yeah. off. But that's the closest I can imagine to that. But that's wicked fun. So I can imagine that yeah. full high speed. Oh, fish yeah. down mad would be so and, and much fun. That that whole uh, sight fishing for for trout in the on the edges and stuff like that. I haven't done that, but I've heard a heap about it, and that sounds absolutely epic. The whole stealth approach, you know, trying to fool the fish, trying to get the fish when he doesn't even know that you're there. Yeah, um, it's good. We're hanging out of trees half the time, and yeah. all, all your mates in a tree, and you're on the grass, yeah. like laying on yeah. your belly. And he's like, "Yep, he's there. Now nah, he's moved. Yep, yeah. go." And then he's like, "Wait, wait. Yep, he's eating." <laughs> it's like strike. And then the That's... dude in the trees like running full pelt, jumping in the drink to scoop it because there's like willows and twigs and stuff everywhere. It's great. That fun. sounds sick. That's definitely yeah. something I'll uh, I'll have a crack at um, one day yeah. for sure. Yeah. They're um, doing on the Goulburn a fair bit. The Goulburn yeah. are the picks for that. Yeah, so the, the boys that I've, I was fishing with this week, they, they do a heap of it on the Goulburn and, and it, it just sounds like so much fun. Um, so with the bass, I haven't done a whole heap of bass fishing. Um, 
I've, like I said, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of private properties near my place that have some like 20 year old bass in them. Yep. Um, so like really old big fish that have only really been fly fished for. Um, yep. So they, you throw a lure in there and they generally smash it pretty hard. Um, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but in saying that, unfortunately with the floods, um, a lot of these fish have been lost. Um, you know, I've, I've had a few trips out there and, and they're, they're just not there anymore, unfortunately. Um, there's a couple patchy, but yeah, it's just really, really hard to get them to bite. But I've been, um, over the last couple of years, been doing a few trips down uh, like southeast, like Gippsland area and that. Yeah. Um, Blue Rock in particular. Um, it's just been bass fishing for me. Is, it's just one of those dormant obsessions. I, I, I know it's a dormant obsession because I know given the opportunity to really dive into it, I think it will be something that will really take over. Um, yep. They are the ultimate blend between the hit of a Murray Cod and the fight of, say, a really good yellow that, that really punches on. Like They are the ultimate, yeah. um, in my yeah. opinion. Um they just hit so hard and they, they just peel so much drag and, and fight really, really well. And you can catch them fishing fast, fishing slow, um, vertically, casting the banks, casting the snack. Like they're just, they're a really cool fish um, and really underrated down south. Um, and I really hope more people get, get around them because they're just such a sick fish. You got some good water close to home if you got your trout, those western lakes to do that just around the yeah. corner sort of. You got a little sneaky little bass fishery down in Victoria, which yeah. you're pretty lucky to have because yeah. I always got to go a fair way north. Yeah, and yeah. then you obviously got your cod and your yellows close to home, yeah. mate. You got the whole the whole kit and caboodle no, going on. And, and like I said at the start, I'm in such a good place. Like I'm basically within give or take two hours of pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, you know really close to Eildon. I'm two hours to Mull. Um, I'm two and a half hours to, to, to Hume. Um, I'm three hours to, to Blue Rock and, and then, yeah, two hours out west and, you know, you got Wendy and, and Bull and Mary and all those other lakes out there yeah. um, that are really within within range for me. So, and like I'm not far from the Murray, obviously, and, and the Goulburn on my doorstep. So, it's, it's, it's I'm pretty spoiled, really. Yeah. That's awesome. A um, couple more questions, if that's all right. Mm. I could talk to you all day, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got to go, go to work and that, but I'll yeah. probably get you back on again, hopefully in 12 months' time. I like catching up yeah. with people we get on. Um, it's summer now, right? Uh, yeah. What have you done so far since opening? Let's talk about COD, but yeah. what's your approach? And let's look at, let's say, the dams because, as you've mentioned, rivers are something you're still tapping into mm, how yeah. do you how do you approach a session like pick a spot that you're going to go in the next two weeks for me um yeah. what's your technique do you chase numbers do you chase big fish what's your plans and just run me through sort of the process of is there research you do before the trip is it weather based um do you know the fish are chewing there already because you've been there already or do you find yeah. out somehow and then what's your approach for the session is there one just it's hard unless you've got one actually coming up or pretend you're <laughs> yeah. going somewhere yeah no the weekend. I, I um i'll be honest um I, I tend to to try not to fish too much this time of year because um it just i let every uh, other punter get out and have their fun because you know school holidays and and people it's just really busy everywhere um right. yep and and generally with with all the warm water and that um I genuinely don't really like targeting the big fish as much. 
Um, but if so, you did a session. Have you done an opening session at? I have. Yeah. No, I haven't been to Mull. Um, I've been doing a lot around home, like Nagambi. I had a really good session the other day, um, where I caught, I caught a heap of numbers, a few yellows as well, um, and then I got, I got a cherry on top at the end with a ninety-one centimeter. Geez, that's um, good for Nagambi. Yeah, man, it was, it was so epic. The whole how it all played out was was pretty epic as well. Like I was <laughs> heading back to the boat ramp. I was just like a little bit. Of, on on a high, feeling really good about myself, and you know, I was going to stay for the surface bite at the end of the day, but then I thought, you know, I've caught caught a heap of fish today. I've had a heap of fun. Um, I'm going to head home and, and and get home nice and early. And uh, yeah, last sort of hundred meter stretch that I picked, and yeah, the big girl came out of nowhere and just absolutely smoked the plastic. Um, it was it was just a really really good session. So um, that was so- my first session out. Um, for, yeah, for how's it cod? look after the floods? All right, mate. It looks really good, eh? I was I was so worried because it copped it during the floods, didn't it? It was massive um, through there, and I was like, "This is I don't know what to expect here." But I, I'd heard I'd spoken to a couple of boys, and they were like, "Nah, you know, it's it's pretty clean." Um, I heard they're doing some works on up along the river near Eildon, so they've dropped the flows right down for a while. Um, yeah. They're Which is rare this. because normally the water temp stays cold there. Yeah, so the water temps uh, were like 21 degrees when I was there. Good. Which yep. is <laughs> pretty good for Nagambi standards. Um, but yeah, they're starting to pick up the flows now. But um, when I was down there, yeah, it was really good. Like you had like a solid like, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it, probably like six inches of good visibility. Jeez, that's um, good. Yeah, and um, just... Not a lot of flow, like just enough to keep the water moving. Um, but the bait is just ridiculous in that joint at the moment. Like Floods are good for any system unless it obviously turns to blackwater and fish kill. Yeah. So you've got like upper catchments are going to be unreal for the next two years or this season coming through yeah. to winter and then the bottom of the catchments are not yeah. very happy. Yeah, nah, definitely. Um, say that again. But... Um, no, nah, the bait was just I was I was really I haven't I fished Nagambi for quite a while and um, I've never really found cod working bait like they do in the dams before. Like right. working a bait ball and that sort of stuff. Until the other day I like seeing seeing two cod working a, a, a bait ball was just Mind blowing to me at Nagambi, like I, I couldn't couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that before there, um, but I just don't think it's ever had the amount of bait that it's got at the moment. So right. those fish don't yeah. really know what to do with themselves. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So no, it was it, that was like I said, my first session out um, for the cod season. Um, I probably won't do a lot between now. Um, I've got yeah. I probably won't do a lot between now and New Year on the cod because. I've got some guys coming down to do some filming and that and they, they want yellers and I just I've I haven't even put any of my cod gear in the boat is what I'm trying to say. It's all still yep. all still spin gear, all still little stuff. It still stuff. feels like spring, mate, or September. Yeah. <laughs> so, well the, the, the yellers at, at Ilden are only just spawning, so Yeah. It's it's unheard of. Um so I'll probably pick up the cod gear again um probably end of January I reckon. Um, right. So whether, when you do that, what's an approach? 
Um, I'll probably do uh, that sort of time of year is where I do a lot of stuff off the bank. So try and do some clear water stuff. Because um, again, all the lakes and especially mole, it's, it's pretty warm water. Um, and yep. it's just not really stuff that oh, oh, you absolutely catch them. And I'm sure people are going to smash them at mole, especially after the drawdown. Um, but it's just that warm water, it just puts me off. I just, I've had some bad experiences in the past with, with catching big fish in, in warm water and it's just... They die not, very it, Yeah, Yeah, it's not something I really like doing too much. So as soon as that water gets like around 22 degrees, that sort of stuff, I'm sort of like, yep, sweet. I'm not, I'm done with that sort of deal. Um, yeah. The but, bigger impoundments are even worse sometimes because yeah. if you See, catch them off the... F- yeah, go on. Yeah, I'd go. I've never even done any of the big impoundments in like summer or like really hot stuff. I've done mole a lot at night Yeah. Um, when those water temps kind of like creep down a bit and those fish, like you can tell like those, if those fish are really high up in the water column, you're like, all right, sweet, you know, like... If, if they're up there, they're sweet. But, like, you catch them, like, middle of the day at mole, they are down deep. Like, I, I don't care what anyone says. that They'll be down deep in, like, four-plus metres of water where yeah. that water temp is, like, 10 degrees cooler. Um, and, yeah, it's it, you can fish up on the flats, and I have done that a lot, especially, like, uh, February onwards, fishing on the flats yeah. at mole. You, you have some great fun. Like those fish are tied up in the weed, tied up on the laydowns on the timber and you just get lots of numbers because the water's nice and warm and those fish are super active. Um, yep. So I guess if we skipped to January and we, we went to Feb, um, yeah, my trip would be Mawala, definitely. Yep. Um, and I would have probably three rods on my deck. I would have something weedless. Um, I would have a spinner bait and then I would have a, a probably like a, a plastic or a swim bait or something like of, of that nature that I can fish relatively high in the water column. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'd be spending the weekend at Mole just absolutely smashing those flats with nice a nice breeze, like a 10K an hour, like five, five knot wind um, to keep you nice and cool. And yeah, that's definitely would would be my next trip. Nice. Um, can yeah. you go to what you just said about the what would be a weedless plastic or a weedless lure that you just talked about that you'd have on the deck at Mull and, and uh, like what's an example of one that would you would use and how would you use it? Um, so a lot of the guys were fishing. Um, I can't think of the name of them right now, but they're a Zeric lure. Um. And they're they're just a paddle tail with a with a weedless hook, and they just they just smashed them up there last year on them because um, it was so thick with weed. Like you you almost couldn't fish anything else through that weed because it was so thick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these these little Zarek plastics they they um, they worked really really well because um, they collapsed super easy. They were hollow body plastic. Yep. Yep. Um, and people were just getting so many numbers on them and that. Um, so, the hookup would be a little less on them, but you just have to swing as quick as you can. Well, I think that was the thing about the design of these these Zerics is the, they collapse super, super easy. And um, the the way that the hollow body is works is when you, you've got tension on the line, when you're retrieving, 
it actually pulls the plastic up over the hook. Right. Um, so, and then when the fish bites down on it, it just collapses really, really easy. So I actually, like, I, I've never been a massive fan about weedless plastics because of that sacrifice in uh, hookups. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these these seem to work really well. So, um, but really any, any like soft, if you're going to fish a weedless plastic, um, you just want to pick a plastic that's really, really soft um, or a hook that allows you to have plenty of gap between the hook point and the bottom of that um, the plastic because when that fish bites down on it, a lot of the times the reason why they're not hooking up is because when they've pushed that plastic down, there hasn't been enough of a gap between the point and the top yes. of the plastic. So the belly in that hook, if so, to, the best way to do it is you get a big, deep hook, but you also get a narrow plastic. Even though the bait Absolutely. they eat is a more like a yellow belly shape, we don't yeah. want that in a plastic. You always nah. want a narrow plastic so they hook up well. Yeah, the na- the narrower the better. Um, or and you want like something a really wide gape hook, something like um, I run the BKK Titans, um, yeah. and they're just like between the point of the hook to the bottom of, of the hook, like the bottom of the belly of the hook is just, is a huge, huge gap. So um, if anyone really wants to fish that weedless stuff, just really match it correctly because there's nothing worse. And I remember when I first started, I hated fishing weedless because you just miss so many fish. You get bulk hits, but you never hook up. And yeah. It, it, yeah, as soon as you move to like a really soft plastic or a really skinny profile with a good, good hook, you, you do get a lot better hookups, but you're always sacrificing that when fishing weedless. But you, you're not just using it in a place where you could also fish something else. You're using it in a scenario where you're going to get Absolutely. 10 times as many hits because of weed or structure or whatever. Yeah. And it's, um, also, it's also about being efficient with, your, with each cast. Like if you're having to pull up your spinnerbait every cast that you do or your spinnerbait's getting fouled up every single cast or every second cast, well, then you're spending more time out of the water not fishing um where i'd probably i'd i'd be more willing to sacrifice hookups like missing a few fish here and there but still getting hits than my spinnerbait getting fouled up and it's just tumbling on the surface or i'm having to pluck weed off the the blades and the hooks and just mucking around and not fishing yeah um Definitely. The best way to learn that would be to have two people in the boat and one fish one and one fish the other and really see Absolutely. the results and the difference. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, because people won't believe in it and won't, you know, oh, it doesn't work. Well, like I'll miss hits, blah, blah, blah with the weedless. But as soon as you go, right, I'll dedicate myself to that today, you yeah. dedicate yourself to the spinnerbait and then really it will show, yeah, yeah you, you'll probably get way more uh, hits but you'll still actually connect more fish just because of the fact you're getting heaps more hits than the other Just, person. just on that too, like it's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I really want to say it too, especially for like if there's people out there just just starting out and that. Um, with with fishing with lures and, and that, and, and this is just from a personal note and from people around me that, that I fish with, stop changing your lures. Like, Honestly, and this is just my my thing is I generally tie on all the lures. I pick out all the lures that I know work and that um, will fish to the conditions that I'll have for that particular trip. I tie them on and generally speaking, I'll come home after that trip with those lures still tied on. Um, yeah. Really have confidence in what you're fishing. Like pick out 
whatever lure is your favorite lure or the, the lure that you've caught the f- most fish on and if it works in that particular scenario, just keep that tied on. Like I see it all the time, people just, you know, not getting bites and they, they, they start getting in their own heads and they start changing lures so often and not having confidence in what they're fishing. Yeah. Um, like really, like, and, and that applies to the, like that weedless scenario is, you know, getting bites and not getting hookups or not getting bites at all on the spinnerbait or whatever. And you, you, it gets all in your head. Um, I promise you those fish will eat it. You just need to yes. put it in front of their face. Like you need to get the right fish in the right mood because nine times out of 10, it's just the fish is the mood that they're in. Like it's not, they'll eat that spinnerbait, don't worry. They'll eat that plastic. They'll eat that hard body. But you just, you just need gotta to cover find that fish. That that's that's exactly right. So for me, I always have you know three, four. I, I normally run six rods, um, where I can like just grab and be like, "Yeah, this is the scenario I need." But they're all lures that I have a lot of confidence in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That 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 having confidence in your gear is is more than half of the battle, in my opinion, because it, fishing can be a massive mental game and. More often than not, it's the angler psyching themselves out of catching that fish. I agree. And half the time, it takes you a while to get used to that lure, um, like the casting weight of it on that rod. And once you're yeah. half an hour into it, it's like, cool, I'm, I'm on the money with my cast now. And you change lure. And, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, you're not in, your confidence has dropped with that lure and you're not in the zone as much with it. Like, obviously, the better you get with fishing the quicker yeah. that transition yeah. but there's still a moment where after casting it for a bit you get in the zone like we're Absolutely. on the river the other day i've done heaps of river fishing with heaps of different lures you pick that lure up and you go oh that's heaps heavier than that last one but my yeah. body was used to casting that other one so it takes another five minutes just to get my eye in again yeah. and that can be the difference sometimes it, um, it, it is it's such a small thing but like people don't think about it and i think um if you start thinking about things that you that are to- very small details and that you may think are irrelevant, a lot of the times they can have quite a big impact. Um, whether it's just for your own mental gain or whether it actually works on the fish, like it, it it's so critical. Like, and and most people just overlook little details like that. Yep. You know. Awesome. We're nearly done, mate, so I'm going to let you go. Just going back to that fish that you caught at Nagami on a plastic, was that a plastic that was weedless or a plastic with, like, exposed hooks? And if it was one with exposed hooks, how do you actually fish that in a waterway that's full of timber for people who are trying to fish swim baits or plastics in an area like Mawala? <clears throat> yeah, so that was um, that was exposed hooks, exposed trebles. Uh, uh, sorry, no, it was a, a jig head with a, a, treble, a treble as a stinger. Um, so how do you fish that in timber so i try using using um my sonar i try and fish those sort of baits very high in the water column right um almost almost subsurface especially when i'm only fishing in like two three meters um and a lot of the times you'll find that those fish and and like all you have to do is look at the physiology of a cod like where where is its eyes um on top of its head. So it's looking up most of the yep. time. Um, so yeah, I try and fish exposed hooks as much as possible, even in the timber. Um, you just, I, I would almost rather like 
Yeah, so in the timber, expose hooks and just fishing it really high in the in, in the water column because if that fish is sitting, and like this fish was, it was sitting on a lay down that I actually hadn't, I didn't spot the fish on live or anything like that. I spotted the, the lay down and I was like, damn, that looks like a really good lay down. Um, cast my plastic in there and I ran the plastic across the top of the lay down. Um, so you prob- watched to make sure your lure was kind of in the zone. So you are yeah. using the live stuff to help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the live stuff definitely does help because you can obviously track exactly where that lure is. Yeah. Um, and it was probably like two and a half, maybe three meters of water, but my lure was probably tracking in like maybe half a meter. So a good right. a good meter off that log. Um, yeah. And I would, with live, I would even get closer to that log without stressing. Um, yeah. But if I wasn't using live, I would just be casting onto the lay, uh, next to the lay down and try not to run over the top of the lay down but more like off of it because so you still would fish them like you'd still yeah, fish yeah, them yeah, back yeah. to plastics yeah definitely definitely yeah um like at mole and that the first couple of years that i started fishing up there without um live or anything like that and there wasn't a lot of weed around and we were fishing a lot of like exposed hooks and, and even pe- people fishing like hard hard swim boats and that you know you're fishing exposed hooks um, you just got to have the confidence and I know I battled with it a lot was I always thought if I could see the lure, the fish wouldn't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm fishing too shallow. I'm fishing too high in the water column. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely not. Like, I, I can't stress enough. If he wants to eat it, he will come up for it and, and I promise you, he knows it's there. Yeah, like, don't they? They know it's there. I promise you, he knows it's there and if he wants it, he's going to come up and get it. Um, so in that scenario where I'm fishing really heavy timber, I try and fish safer. And then after I've done like, you know, two, three casts, I'll gradually get riskier and riskier. And I don't mind having to go pluck that lure off that log on my last cast because I've got too close because I've already covered that log five times, 10 times before at different proximities. Um, yeah, I don't mind getting a snag on the last cast. That's for sure. Um, yeah, because exactly. I know that that fish either wasn't going to eat anyway or there wasn't a fish there at all. Yeah. Um, and do you find that that lure is a lure that you will pick up and throw at a nice big log, but then say you're at Mullen right now, the next bunch are all stumps, then you go back to something else or is it something you will stick with for like a whole day session and just fish um, with that for a bigger fish or it's something you use particular on particular structure? Yeah, it's probably more particular. Um, yeah, if I'm if I'm if I'm fishing like a big jam up, say I've got like a heap of laydowns on top of each other, um, I'll I'll always go for either a spinnerbait or a hard body, yeah. Um, because you kind of don't know, okay, that laydown's going that way, that laydown's going yeah. this way, and that's so sort you of can't stuff. predict. It's like yeah, you, predict that you you're can't really predict up. where where you're going to get hung up or anything like that. Um, yeah. So I if I see a nice big laydown just by itself or, or, or in like spaced out nicely. Yep. I'll always go for a big bait, something that's nice and big, slow, um, that you can keep in that fish's face with a big profile. Um, and a plastic is just absolutely ideal for that or, or a big glide bait or, or a hard bait or something like that. Um, absolutely. Because you, you just, you're, you're fishing pretty safe. Like you, don't, you know generally there's not too much other timber around that big lay down. Um, especially when you're on the flats at Mull where you, and good clarity, you can, you can just see the laydowns with your eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But with a jam up, look, I might run that plastic like on the outsides, like playing it really safe, high up in the water column um, with exposed hooks. But generally, you always want to run one right in the guts of that big jam up because there's always going to be a fish in there. And just you just can't go past a, a spinnerbait or, or a hard body or something like that. Or you could yeah. throw you could throw your weedless in there, but I generally only reach for the weedless when it's weed, actual weed. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you got to be real yeah. particular. And that, yeah. that's that's the whole thing about understanding your environment and your lures and where they suit. Um, and that's I thought the answer you were going to give. Um, mm. So it's not hey, just hey, people aren't thinking you're throwing plastics all day long to catch a big cod. You're actually particular about the style, structure, not. and how you're fishing. Yeah. yeah. Even even like in the dams, like um, when I'm fishing, I love fishing like in the trees and that sort of stuff. And the flats a little bit as well, but. In the trees is where I like to go. I'll throw a big hard body in the trees, even in a dam, like where most people are throwing like swim baits and plastics and that sort of stuff. If I see a fish in a really like thick, thick tree, I'll be like, yeah, big hard body, run through it, no worries. Yeah, that's like, cool. It, it, it's, it goes back to like fishing, I feel like, needs to be treated like golf, you know? You don't use a driver to putt, you know, like... Each each rod and each lure needs to have a particular purpose on your deck, like you you know, and and yeah. once you can kind of like do that and use them as tools for different scenarios, um, you'll you'll find that you'll you'll start catching more fish. Like it's just yeah. really simple as that. So you're not saying. For, as a summary to that whole thing you said before about don't go in the deck changing lures all day. It's like. You've got a hard body, you've got a spinnerbait, you've got a plastic, you've got a top water, they all do different things. Yeah. Be confident in that particular hard body you picked, but don't go in the box to go put another hard body on that's 1, the same thing. 1,000%. <laughs> if 1, you've only got one or two rods, yeah. yes, change if you've got a different yeah, scenario yeah, yeah. like it's coming to last light with the top water, but yeah. you're saying don't spend all day in there nah. changing sizes nah. of that same lure or nah. colors of that same lure. Probably the only thing would be is if um, I would probably tie on all the lures that I think I'm going to need for that day and if I get to that particular spot and I'm like, oh crap, that water's a fair bit dirtier than what I thought it was going to be or damn, that's really clean, I might cut that lure off but put the exact same lure on but just a slightly different color different or something color. like that. Yep. You know, yep. but the, the the lure choice hasn't changed. It's just adjusting adjusting to different um, conditions, um, yep. but still having full confidence and, and and knowing that that lure will catch a fish. I just need to put it in in the right place and put it in front of the right fish. That's all it comes down to. Awesome. Uh, nearly done, mate. We've got a couple of final questions, but you've just added one more. Very quickly, are you a are you a Clear water, and I guess it depends on different scenarios. Here, a clear water, natural sort of color lure, dirty water. What color lure, as a general rule, or is there not a rule? You can't answer that. In <laughs> it's a funny one because they always throw a spanner in the works. Um, yes. <laughs> um, look, uh, generally, um, I I am I, I do like natural colors um, for clear water, but I'm I'm all about contrast. Say whether it's dirty water or or clean water. I just like a good silhouette, a good presence in that water, something that I know the fish will see. I, I, like right. at the end, of, at the end of the day, I don't know for a fact if they're colorblind, if they're not colorblind, if they see colors, if they don't see colors. I don't really care. I'm not going to base it on that. 
I just want to know, can the fish see the outline of that lure? Can it feel the presence of that lure in the water um, depending on what the conditions are? Because at the end of the day, like it's, it's crazy. Like if I go fish the clear water, I'll always tie on a nice natural color and think, yeah, this is what they're... Because they, I know they're going to be able to see the lure, so I don't want something too too crazy. But then you won't get any bites all day and you'll, you'll chuck on like a bright white or a bright pink or even like I got a mate that fishes chartreuse all the time. He loves chartreuse. I'm not a big yep. chartreuse guy. And then you'll just smash him and it's like, oh man, I, I like it. It just yeah. throws your way back. So for me, um, I definitely, I love just a big presence in the water, something that, that contrasts really, really well. Um, and, and if you get a lure that contrasts really well or a color that contrasts really well, it doesn't hurt having a bit of pop in it. So I don't mind like a brown or a black or, or, or a dark purple or something like that, but then have like a little bit of, you know, just a, a hint of chartreuse or a hint of orange or pink or something like that. Yes. Because yep. then you, you're sort of, <laughs> again, mental game, you're sort of covering your bases where like, okay, I've got a good presence in the water, I've got a good silhouette, a good good contrast, but then if I have a fish that likes pretty colors, I've got that too. <laughs> yeah, you got a bit of a pop in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. So it's it's really a hard question and I honestly don't know if anyone will ever have the answer to it because I've caught so many fish on like crazy colors and then so many fish on natural colors. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a really hard question to, to answer yeah. that one. I just wanted to see your thoughts on it because I know everyone's got different thoughts and yeah. at the end of the day, it, a fish will eat every color if it's hungry enough. Um, it's just more Absolutely. that at what point does the color make a difference to get you that extra bite or those two yeah. extra bites or a bite yeah. on a tough day. So and, and, and whoever works that out will be the one to catch more fish for sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's not me, let me tell you. <laughs> Mate, thanks for jumping on. It's been an epic episode. went really quick and yeah. I'm sure everyone was really loving uh, hearing you chat and it's probably a little bit disappointed that the episode's over. Yeah, um, well, I hope, to- um, yeah, I hope, I hope some people can take away um, some of what I've spoken about again i'm not super experienced i've just had a lot of time on the water and i'm yeah just dribbling what i what i think works and what i think i know but at the end of the day it's all up to the fish eh? yeah well you've caught a fair few and uh you spent a lot of time out there and i'm sure you're going to spend a fair bit more time out there over the next decade or two or three um so it'd be good to get you back on and see what you've learned in the future, uh, have you got any goals moving forward? I know at the start of the episode, you talked about goals and ticking off a few goals here and there along the line. Yeah. What's the goals at the minute? Uh, have you got goals for this summer, this season? Do you set yourself goals or do you just have rant? Do you have any goals at all? Yeah, so it's funny because uh, I always used to like set like goals of like, oh, you know, I want to get like a meter off the top. There's always been one that's sort of like, really stuck with me from the start or from the day that I got my first metery basically. Um, but I guess as I've been out there doing more and more of it, the goal has just been to fish more than I did last season. Um, yeah, cool. I know it sounds like a pretty boring goal, but like I no, just... I like it. It's, it's just one of those things that I want to get out there. I want to catch different species. I want to catch biggest fish. I want to catch more fish. I want to get out of my comfort zone and try things. I, I'm, I'm a big sucker for trying new things. Eh? Like this year was the first year that I, I went up and, and, you know, fished for marlin on the flats. Like that's something that I never thought I would ever do. 
Um, and I, I was shitting myself to be honest because I, I just, <laughs> you know, it was it's it's something that's like so crazy and so out there. But it, it's just I just want to. The goal is to to do things that I didn't do last year. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Get out there, fish for new species, fish with new techniques. Um, you know, meet new people. Um, do stuff that I didn't do last season, and and fish that's cool. dub, double the amount. Hopefully, <laughs> I love it. I yeah. think the uh, the more new experiences. I really really like that one. That's one I'm going to take on board yeah. as well. I do all the time. It's yeah. just I love fishing with new people, but also fishing new water and doing different things yeah. and catching fish on different lures rather than doing the same thing. Yeah, over and over again. The the biggest thing I've realised, man, is we only have so much time on this in this world um, and uh, I'm all about and I can appreciate people who are like purists and, and only ever chase Murray Cod and only ever chase trout and are like a masters at their trade, you know, like they're epic, epic people. I can really appreciate that but it's not the life I want to live. Um, I want to get out there, tick as many species as I can possibly tick experience as many different things as I could possibly can um, and it's just yeah it I just want it to be an epic epic life because I don't ever want to look back on it and think oh man I should have done that or I shouldn't have or should have could have would have basically um, yeah you know with the time that I've got I want to do as much as I can possibly do that's awesome and the best thing about what you said is that you should do what you want to do and whether you are someone who just wants to stand on a stream and cast a fly for a yeah. trout yeah. and do that and you get joy out of that and you get yeah. no joy out of going up north to chase a saltwater species, then make sure you do yeah. that. If your goal is the goal that you've just said, make sure you do that. Yeah, and, and I guess that's that's a big takeaway is with fishing in general is um, do what makes you happy and don't don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't Don't judge other people. And, and don't don't worry about other people judging you. Like, you just go out there. If it makes you happy, if it puts a smile on your dial, if it makes you have a happy soul, then just, just do it. You know, like, these days, unfortunately, there's been a lot of politics dragged into fishing, um, and it's, it's very sad to see. But, you know, I'm over that. A lot of other people are over that. And you just got to focus on the positives and, and just do what makes you happy. Um, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So... Yeah. yeah, don't don't worry about the noise that's going around. Just just focus on yourself and and you're in a group. Awesome. And the other thing too, I think people forget is it's not always about the big fish. If that's your goal, then it is. But don't forget the little fish. Like I got my Absolutely. first cod opening and it was forty centimeters, and I still think it's the best one I caught, even though I caught a quite a big one as well because it was like <laughs> first one for the season. Real pretty little fish. Yeah, got it off the mark. It was just yeah, it was so cool. Uh, it sounds like we had the exact same season because my first one was about 35 centimetres and I was just over the moon because it was it ate a lure bigger than itself. <laughs> so cool. So, nah, so that's cool. good, man. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure being on the podcast. It's the first one I've ever done. So, it's um, yeah, it's been a really good experience. So, I appreciate you having me Hopefully, many more to come. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. see. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah. mate. Well, yeah. good luck with... Uh, Whatever happens the rest of this week, by the sounds yeah. of it, you fish that much that you'll be out before the weekends. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that and the rest of the season or in, into next year as well. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you kick some of those goals and you get to fish more, mate. Uh, appreciate it, mate. Same goes to you. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Sonny. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there you have it, guys. That is the end of the episode. Now, one thing I really want to mention from that, well, a couple of things. The first one was what we talked about right at the end there, uh, which is just do fishing for you. As Sonny said, he fishes by himself a lot. That's what fishing means to him is him getting out there, doing what he loves, spending time in the environments that he loves and chasing the fish that he loves and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about it. I just I love that so much uh, and it's just something I believe in too is doing what style of fishing or what you love even if it's not fishing but obviously it is because you've listened to the end of this episode but the style of fishing that you enjoy the most. It's not necessarily about that monster fish unless that's your goal. If that is not your goal about catching big fish in the winter in the cold, if you do not like that, don't do it. Do what you enjoy. Now, the other thing I really want to touch on too, which Sonny brought up at the start of the episode and I met, and I added a few things to was you can see he is such an incredibly knowledgeable angler. He has so much knowledge there and knows what he's doing out in the water. He spent a lot of time out there, but he talked about how important it was to have a mentor, a mentor that ground gave him the groundwork, the, the base to build on. Obviously, where he is today is from his own hard work, meeting other people, but putting in the time, catching fish himself, experiencing things on the water. But the groundwork, as he said, at the very start, gave him a base of what cod were. Because I, if, even if I think back as a kid when I was learning, cod were elusive. I had no idea that you could use different colors for them. I thought it had to be a red and black spinnerbait. And if I was to ask everyone out there what is the, probably the most cast spinnerbait, it's probably something with purple or a red and black. It definitely is in our part of the world up here on the Murrumbidgee. A red and black spinnerbait. I didn't know that you could catch them on any colors. I thought it was a rule. How was I meant to know? And it's the same with Sonny. How was he? He didn't even know what a cod was. He was out there chasing redfin. How are we meant to know what to do? And if you are to figure it out on your own, it takes a take a lifetime to get to even where Sonny is today. In in you know a couple of decades, it could take so long to figure it out without knowledge. And that's the whole point of learning. That's the whole point of this podcast, and the whole point of what we create through social fishing, whether it be our videos, our tutorials, our podcasts like this, or our membership platform. It gives you that grounded base. You obviously know that because even the stuff Sonny talked about here, I'm sure you learned something from this episode. I learned something from this episode that I can take away and apply. So I just want to mention, if you are at the start or even in the middle trying to learn, you know how to fish, but you, you just want to take that next step, you really want to get to that level of what Sonny's at with how he catches fish. If you want to really learn, you've got to have some kind of a mentor, someone to help you, at least to get that grounded starting point. You need that base knowledge. And if you don't have the opportunity to have a mentor and you are consuming this podcast and you're really keen to take that next step, do yourself a favor, jump on and just check out our membership platform because that is exactly why I designed it. I designed that platform to take you from being really keen, understanding fishing, but really at the start of that lure fishing world or in the middle and just wanting to take that next step that you're catching fish, but you just can't quite get that big one or you just quite, you want to go from rivers to impoundments and you don't really know where to start or you want to chase yellows. That is the whole purpose of the membership platform. We've got a community, we've got mentors, we've got people in there that help answer your questions. We're there to help guide you along whatever your journey is. Trout, cod yellows and we're also expanding more and more into bass as well plus we give you all the access to the reports the locations the map content and the videos that actually teach you the techniques and you know pieces of content about fish's behavior how they feed the stuff that we've watched on the live technology and how they how they attack a lure and we then share that information with you 
to give you guys the best chance out there to catch fish. So that is inside the membership platform, which you can check out at socialfishing.com.au. That is it for the episode, guys. We're going to punch out a few over this Christmas period because I know a lot of you will be finishing up work, have heaps of spare time, being on the road, traveling, catching fish, camping with mates, whatever it is. We're going to punch out a few over the end of December and early January period. So I really hope you enjoyed that one. That is going to be a very hard episode to beat over the next couple of months. And once again, I want to thank Sonny very much for giving up his time for me, but also for you guys. Also, sharing what he knows about fishing, I really do appreciate it. So, Sonny, thank you very much, mate. Much appreciated for jumping on this episode and also this podcast for our listeners. That's it from me, guys. Enjoy your Christmas break. I hope to release another podcast just before Christmas. But if I don't, Merry Christmas and best of wishes to your family. Enjoy your time with friends and family. Enjoy your Christmas break. Enjoy every moment you have. And also, if you manage to get out fishing, Good luck with the fishing and hopefully you get your dreams and goals. Anyway, that is enough from me. You've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. Merry Christmas. <laughs>